Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth and a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders that you have done, the things you planned for us. No one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, there would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offerings you do not desire. But my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not require. Then I said, here I am. I've come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For trouble, troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, the Lord be exalted. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my delivery. Oh, my God, do not delay. This is Psalm 40. A few words at the beginning here, the first three verses. Um, I patiently waited, Lord, for you to hear my prayer. You listened and pulled me from a lonely pit full of mud and mire. You let me stand on a rock with my firm, with my feet firm. You gave me a new song. A song to praise you. Many will see this and they will honour and trust you, the Lord God. The Christian's chief occupational hazards are depression and discouragement. 
says John Stott. C.S. Lewis said, if Satan's arsenal of weapons were restricted to one, it would be that of discouragement. In a world, in the world, it is called tolerance. But in hell, it is called despair. The sin that believes in nothing, cares for nothing, seeks to know nothing, interferes with nothing, finds purpose in nothing, lives for nothing, and remains alive because there is nothing for which it will die. Dorothy Sayers said that. Twiggy. Do you remember Twiggy? (laughs) Some of you are getting old, aren't you, really? Yeah. She said this. If this is the first day of the rest of my life, I'm in for a dismal future. Hmm. David was in a pit of modern mire. He was feeling a little bit down. Well, maybe more than a little bit down. And it's not for the first time, is it? So often we read in the Psalms of David. And so often we find that he's, um, well, he's not on top of the world at least. And very often he knows despondency and despair and frustration and maybe even depression. You know, I remember... Um, when I were about 19 or 20, that, um, there were all sorts of little saints. I'd only just come, I'd only, I was a new Christian at the time. And, and, and there were all sorts of little sort of, well, they had these posters out with all sorts of little um, uh, remem- uh, memorable sentences like, I might be a religious nut, but I'm screwed up right bolt. You know, and, and all sorts of stuff like that. Some helpful, some not quite so helpful. And I, I remember one that uh, sort of to said, to said um, uh, that we as Christians are above the circumstances and not below them, or not under them. And you know, I could never get my head around that because even as a young Christian, that sort of seemed so foreign to the experience that I had. Jesus. Because it seemed to me that the problems and difficulties didn't disappear. On the contrary, so often there were problems and difficulties arrived that were never there before. That's what it seemed to me. And I found that the circumstances and the difficulties well, I didn't rise above them too often. My experience were rather different. It's a bit like a children's book that so often I read to my children, or did read to my children, and now read to my grandchildren. You can't go over them. You can't go under them. You can't get round them. So you've got to go through them. And that seemed to me, oh yeah, there were a time when I rose above a circumstance and a difficulty. But more often than not, I had to go through it. 
But you see, the thing was this. I didn't go through it by myself. Because Jesus was right there beside me. He said, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will always be there for you. Even though you rot through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll be there. It doesn't matter how dark or how dismal or how discouraging things might be. And might get. I will be there with you. And you won't always rise above it. Oh yeah, there are times when that happens. God can do those things. No doubt about that. But more often than not, it would seem to me, certainly as with my experience of things, is that you've got to go through them with him. And so it is that um, difficulties and trials and tribulations come our way. And God doesn't always lift us above them. Why? Well, I think that maybe he's, it is because he has something very important to teach us. And instruct us. And through it, Christian character is built, isn't it? There's more built, isn't there, through our Christian character, built through the difficulties and trials and tribulations we face than, than the great and wonderful times, I think. But we don't want one and not the other. We need both, I guess. And God in his wisdom always knows best. And whatever the outcome, it's good to know that he'll always be by our side. And at the beginnings of this this psalm, we find that David, a man after God's own heart, is in dire circumstances, calling to, to God out of a pit of desolation, despondency, despair. David's answer to the difficulties... And the problems and tribulations that he finds is prayer, isn't he? He communicates with God. He talks to God consistently. All the time he's going before God in prayer. It seems that a prominent physician said this. He said the best, uh, when he was talking about depression and other related things, I found that the best medicine is prayer. As one whose whole life has been concerned with the sufferings of the mind, I would undoubtedly give first place to the simple habit of prayer. It does more to quiet the spirit and strengthen the soul than any other therapeutic agency known to man. Prayer. It's as simple as breathing, isn't it? And it's the answer 
David found it to be the answer. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord to hear my prayer. You know, sometimes you, you, you call out to God, don't you, in your frustration and your despair. Because it gets so much, you say, God, help me and help me now. And, and there are times, in you know, other times, when David's done just that. But not here, it would seem to me. It, it, it's rather different, isn't it? Because you sense, don't you, this, this very real sense of expectation. That David knows that God will answer his prayer. The only thing is... He doesn't know when. But he's prepared to wait. To wait patiently, eagerly anticipating the um, God's answer. Might not always be the answer that God wants, or, God, or that you want God to give you. Have you found that? When you go to God in prayer and you ask him something, he answers it in a totally different way than what he expected it to be. And you think, I wish he hadn't answered it that way. And it's not until years afterwards that you think, yeah, well, he got it right. Well, yes, of course he did. He has your best interests and he has our best interests at heart. He knows us better than anyone else. And he doesn't want any harm to come to us, but he wants us to grow in him. He wants Christian character to develop and to build. So sometimes we have to wait. Not easy to wait. But those who patiently wait will never be disappointed. They will rise with wings like eagles and they will soar. Are you soaring today? Is it a while since you soared? Have you ever soared? Don't always soar, do we? We may be in a difficult position. We may be in a bad place. As we come to God in worship. And you know, it seems to me sometimes though. The most difficult place to be and the worst place to be when you're feeling down is in a place of worship. Because everybody's praising God and you aren't. And boy, can that be difficult. And sometimes you think, well, this is going to raise me. It's going to lift me up. And sometimes it undoubtedly does. And other times it definitely doesn't. Does it? And perhaps you have a different experience to me, but don't, does it? You know, many is the time that I've come to church on a Sunday morning and I've got into the car park there, got out of the car and then got back in and drove home because I couldn't get in the door. Because I knew that I couldn't, I was feeling so down that it would make me feel worse. <laughs> Probably. Sometimes we do, don't we? 
And yet, if somebody were to ask us, they say, How are you? How are you doing? Oh, fine, thanks. Never been better. I'm okay. We were trying to kid. Because I think that most people would recognise that you're not. And God certainly would. You know, we need to be honest with God and we need to be honest with one another. Because, you know, one of the reasons we're here is to help build each other up. And when things go go wrong and things get tough, we're there to help each other along. And that's the way it's supposed to work, as far as Scripture puts it, I think. But unless we are honest, and maybe we're good at hiding it from others, people don't know. You know, when I was at Bible college, we, um, the tutors that year, I think the year before was had been a, a, terrible, had been a rather difficult year, and we went along and they said, well, we don't want a year like you last year. The one thing we want you to be above all else is honest with one another. And we had a, we had a man there. He came from Rhodesia. His name was Adamu. And Adam was a lovely, lovely Christian man. He was training to be a um, a minister in his church. They have a number of ministers there. They had over 2,000 people in the church. And uh, the last I heard, a couple of few years ago, there were, there were more than 5,000 people in the church. And uh, But anyway, that's by the by. But he, used to, he came along and, and, and he used to say, Every morning you'd see him, his opening greeting were, Are you praising the Lord? Ouch. Yes. Be honest. That's what they said. Just be honest with one another. And people would say, Well, no, not really. And do you know, the certain things happened that, Are you praising the Lord? was like the catchphrase of our year at Bible College. And you'd see people who'd walk along the corridor, or you'd go up the stairs, or you'd go out into the, onto the, you know, the terracing, and, and people would be there praying together. Why? Because they were being honest with one another, and things weren't going right. And so they were saying, look, no, I'm sorry, things aren't really right. Well, let's pray about it then. And what a difference it made. Years later, um, our Belvin, who were the principal of the college in that day, said that during his time as principal, he felt that that was the best year that he'd ever had. Why? Because people were honest with one another. You know, you think it's the most, the easiest place to be a Christian. It's got to be a Bible college. Not at all. It's like being a Christian in the church. It's not always easy. Because if we feel down and everybody else's up there, well, we feel bad about it and maybe we get to the tour and turn back. We need to be honest with each other. Excellent. Right. Yeah. God said he will lift us up. And he lifted David 
out of the clay, out of that pit of desperation and despondency, he lifted him. He lifted him. You know, it's a wonderful story, isn't it? You remember the story of Pilgrim's Progress? And Christian, by evangelist, evangelist, he met with evangelist and said, see that gate over there, that's the way. Got to go there. And he's on his way there and, and he, he picks up a friend on the way called Pliable and they're going along and they fall into, a, into the pit of despondency. And they're fighting to get out and, and, and Pliable gets out and what does he do? Well, he legs it back. Difficulties have arisen, he's going. And he leaves poor old Christian on his own and along comes someone to give him a hand. And God did exactly that for David. And do you know, God by his Holy Spirit will do the same thing for us week in and week out. He wants to take us to lead from the, the, the difficulties and, and he wants to lift us up. But we need to be honest with him and allow him to lift us. And he will lift us. And he lifts us up and, he, and what does he do? Well, he stands us up on the rock of his salvation.